only interview, Batman. Hi, this is Burt Ward, Robin from the TV series Batman. You're listening to TV Confidential. Wowie zowie, it's fantastic. Ed Robertson with a reminder that Walter Koenig will join us at the top of the hour. We hope you stay tuned for that. In the meantime, Tony Figueroa and Donna Allen are with us for this week in TV history. This particular segment originally aired in March 2011. What do you have for us tonight? All right, so we have March 6, 1942. Ben Murphy is born in Jonesboro, Arkansas. Ben Murphy and I have the same birthday. You guys have the same birthday? Well, well, not, not, well not, not the exact no, no, same not, birthday. No, 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 no. I think, the same I, think I think he's got like 20 plus years yes, on right. you. Yes. Yes. So Mark's, but he wears it well. He wears it well. Yes, a, he he's does. A, he's a he, good looking man. He, he has aged Always very has been. gracefully. Yes, he has. Now, of course, when we mention Ben Murphy, he is always going to be best known. With Peter Duell. With Peter Duell and Roger Davis. And Roger, to be fair. That's right. Let's be fair. Roger Davis, I think, gets maligned unfairly. Yeah, in fact, um, I was talking about this with a colleague. He's the Deborah Norville of the TV Western. Yeah, in fact, Ben Murphy, I believe, said this on one of the, I guess, I think it was a BBC documentary, because Alias Myth and Jones is still huge overseas, especially in the UK. And uh, the BBC did a documentary where I believe the exact quote uh, Ben said was as much as he loved Pete when he when he when he took his life it basically killed his career because yeah. you know, mm-hmm. the show the show was doing you know fairly well in, in, in the ratings but uh and, and and again we talked about how the uh I guess the insensitive way in which that I mean the very cold, very business like way in which the network insisted that the show must go on. Yeah. But um, how long was it between Pete Dool's suicide and the show three resuming? Days. Three oh days. three days. He took, his, uh, he took his life. And it was a holiday weekend, right? I know. It was, he, he t- um, uh, they filmed December 30th, which was a Thursday. Uh, Pete took his life that night and died early Friday morning, New Year's Eve. The studio was informed. Roy Huggins was informed. And then New Year's Day was Saturday. In the meantime, I, b- I believe within a day. Roy was informed. You get another actor, and you start. You you know you you continue rolling Monday morning. So I believe within a day, Roy uh, contacted Roger. Roger Davis was the first guy he popped into. He was an actor that Roy had used. No, Roy had always liked. And it's just one of those you 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 don't really have time to think. You just do what you're told. And so I think within a day. Uh, either Roy or uh, Roy's you know, first lieutenant, uh, Joe Swirling, arranged for Roger to meet with wardrobe and stuff like that, like I, I, like on Saturday. And then mo- first thing Monday morning, they started rolling. So you're talking 72 hours. How did they justify the change? Um, I don't think they did. They didn't. I mean, it, and ba- basically it was like it was like Bewitched Revisited. I mean, one day, one week you have Dick York. And then the next week you have Dick Sargent. That's it. But at least Bewitched sent Darren off on a business trip, and when he came back several weeks later, he was a different actor. Well, that's true. That's that's. True. I mean, they made an attempt at least. That's true. I mean, yeah. that, that, that's right. That's that's right. In the in, and, and, in the yeah. reruns, they showed almost all the non-Darren episodes that season. Yeah. Well, Dick York. I mean, we're we're really tangenting here, but Dick York. I mean, his back was so bad that all they could do is have him leave after breakfast and you never saw him until after the you know hi honey how was your day that's right and then and those are the ones that they re-ran over the summer exactly and then they could bring in dick Sargent. but what happened i mean they i I think they had about four or five episodes in the can that aired 
throughout January, early February, the first Roger Davis show, I believe, aired like like the first or second week of February. I don't have I don't have the data in front of me. But uh, this is an odd thing. But I believe the, the episode that Duel was shooting at the time of his death was incomplete. And it was not practical to reshoot the show with Roger Davis. So what they did was uh, they hired Paul Freeze to loop Pete's voice in during, during that final episode. And so when you watch the show, it's very eerie. And so some of it is actual the real Pete Duel doing his running his lines. And some of it is footage of Pete Duel, but Paul Freeze looping in Peter Duel's voice. Ooh. That would never happen today. No. I don't think it could happen today. I don't uh, think the public would let it happen today. The only contemporary scenario I could think of was uh, the the young actor who was on Suddenly Susan with Brooke Shields, who who killed himself in Las Vegas. And, and, And the network forgave them an episode, and they did one more episode exactly. where they explain what happened. And it was a very touching episode. Yeah. It was a very touching episode, and I think it, it, it handled it uh, respectfully. When Phil Hartman died, I think that was also handled you know, the best possible way that they could do it. Yeah, but you know, yeah, television was just run a lot differently. It was back, an assembly back line back then. It was very much, especially with Universal. So, um, and, and, and again, it was just a very, even Roy Huggins, when I talked to him about this 25 years after the fact, around 1996, he said it was just a very cold way of doing it. But at the time, his job was to get the show, was to keep the show running and to work on scripts for other things. He didn't really have time to think. It's just, okay, you do what you told. Yeah. And I think there's still aspects like that in the industry today because you do need to have content to put on the air and there are people who that is their focus yeah but uh, but but, and and going back to ben murphy it's just it's just very unfortunate because yes as as i say he was a he was a good actor uh he was used a lot on a lot of the universal shows uh in the let's see a name of the game Mm -hmm. with tony franciosa and gene barry and robert stack uh let's see uh griff Right, he, uh, with uh, with Lauren Green after Bonanza. Yeah, was, uh, that was, was a Lauren Green show. Uh, uh, Behringer's. Right, yeah. yeah uh, Gemini Man. Gemini Cold Man. More in, recently. in fact, uh, uh, you know, very few people know this. I didn't know this until I, until I stumbled onto it when I was doing the research. But uh, in the early, 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 early conceptualization of the Rockford Files, um, when when Roy was you know uh, coming up with the just he was just thinking of it in terms of a concept of a of a private eye who takes on cold cases, closed cases, because um, Ben was fresh on his brain and because Alias had more or less just wrapped up, Ben was one of the first people Roy thought of for the show that later on became Rockford Files, and then of course when when he hit on the idea of, of, of tailoring around James Garner that changed the ball game. Yeah, but he is he is a very talented actor. It is really a shame that. That he's always going to be forever linked to that. Let's yep. shift gears to but something. It's, but it's yeah. not a shame that he's forever linked to me. He's forever linked to you, <laughs> yes, uh, with your birthday. And happy birthday to you. Thank you very much. Ah, let's see. Let's go on. Like I said, speaking of death, uh, comedian George Burns died at the age 100 on March 9th, 1996. The amazing thing is that he made it to 100, and then he just kind of said, okay, I made yeah. it, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gone. Well, <laughs> his, you know, he did have plans. Yeah. He did have very specific plans. He was going to perform... I believe at first it was at the Palace mm-hmm. or at the London Palladium. I mean, he did have, and un- unfortunately, he was he hurt himself before that happened, and 
Yeah, but it was public plans for years. Yeah, where he was, he had already had plans to work on his hundredth birthday. Yeah, yeah, he'd been booked, so he had to be there. Yeah, so so he could not die. It was almost like the Jack Lalanne thing that that would really hurt his image. But speaking <laughs> of Jack Lalanne, you know, I, obviously I don't think it did because I mean we're st- we're still we're talking st- we're about still talking George about him. Of course, I think his Jack Lalanne's brother lived to be two years older, so yeah. Jack's the slacker in the family. Exactly, but but. Yeah, you know, you know, even even if it were not, um, we, obviously it's, it's difficult not to think of George Burns without Gracie Allen. But even aside from the Burns and Allen and and, and their great comedy time, and not only on radio but also on television, you know, George Burns, you know, uh, was a very shrewd producer behind the scenes. Yes, he was. Yeah, his show, and uh, I've been watching some of those old sitcoms. You know, some of the early stuff that were on Kinescope, and some of the later stuff that would be. You know, more taking the Jack Benny or I Love Lucy mm-hmm. model of the sitcoms. And they are incredibly funny. Yeah. And there were crossover episodes with Jack Benny. And and Gracie Allen and Jack Benny together, when Jack would come over, the the two of them, I mean, were just hysterically funny. And sometimes it was just the uh, the physicality of the two of them interacting. I mean, they they must have had that time so perfectly because they really had to calculate the laughs because Gracie would say something or do something and Jack would just react to the camera and then you just had this long section of laughter. Yeah. They must have had to trim it or something, but the, the chemistry between Gracie and Jack and George would be nowhere in there and then George would come in and do his reactions, talk to the camera, gesture with the cigar, punctuate things and i mean it was just a wonderful blend stay with us folks we'll be right back you're listening to an edition of this week in tv history that originally aired in march 2011 billy crystal factors into tv history with this because he was born march 14th 1948 another another pisces another he was born in long beach california Oh. He was born in Long Beach, California. He's so associated with New York. Yeah, that's, 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 that's funny. That's right. He, that's he is so associated with New York, yeah. but he actually was born in Long Beach, California. And also, the first Academy Awards broadcast on network TV, because it had been seen locally in L.A., was March 19, 1953. Was that the clip that they showed uh, uh, on last week's telecast with Bob Hope? That may have been. Let's see. The first network broadcast of the Academy Award takes place... Uh, some 174 stations across the country. Gary Cooper won Best Actor for High Noon. Yeah, I don't have anything on the host. It had to be Bob Hope. I, I, well, no, it, it was it was Bob Hope. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm pretty sure because they the but, Passover joke I think was sold, told several times. Yeah, because yeah. I seem to remember that in the 1978 Academy Awards exactly. when Star Wars that's won a sta- everything. Well, that, that's just a standby. But no, yeah. but I I believe um, one of the one of the things that they did as as part of the filler for the for the Oscar cast was um, they. More or less recreated the first broadcast. They kind of did a simulated set, and then they they did a podium, and then this this is actually yeah. kind of cool. I mean, uh, they, uh, that, they, that that back uh, drop that kind of looked like the Hollywood Bowl, and they recreated the first Oscars at the uh, Roosevelt Hotel, which yeah. is across the street from the Kodak Theater. And they historic. and they had footage of of Bob Hope uh, you know, boomed in on a on a large you know high definition screen, so it looked like Hope was actually standing in. Standing was was actually standing behind the podium, uh, if only in black and white. Which was nice. Somebody was looping in a couple of bits, you yeah. know, so he could introduce the next presenters, and also, you know, he thanked Billy. Yes, it, it was it was a nice bit. And when you you had a, we grew up, I think it was either it was usually alternating Bob Hope and Johnny Carson, right? 
That's right. That's right. That's who we grew up watching, and and those guys really kept that show running. I mean, they they were great with the offhanded stuff. I think the best person now that is alive would have to be Billy Crystal mm-hmm. who could do that. Now, a very telling moment was when Billy Crystal appeared on stage and the ovation he got. The and energy got, picked up. You got the feeling that the audience just wanted him to take over. Yeah, yeah. and I think uh, people would have been happy if yeah. he did that. You know, just kids go, you know, go, go into go a back to school. Room, go back to school. Yeah. Let's see. Let's the grown-ups are in charge now. But at the same time, the fact that we're talking about it, you know, a week after the fact is is I mean, it's it, it, it's one of the few shows on television right now that it is an, it, it is an event sort of thing. It's the kind of thing that you really need to watch at the time it's yes. on, as opposed to TiVoing it and watching it a week later. Yeah, that is very true. Childoftelevision.blogspot.com, Childoftelevision.blogspot.com, also Storysalon.com. Donna's four-part novel series is now complete. Yes, it is. The last book, Fall Again Reunion, was published a few months ago. You'll see where the story finally ends. And to find out how the story begins and end, go to FallAgainSeries.com. Tony and Donna, we'll see you both next time. Next, next time. time. Walter Koenig will join us. We come back for hour number two of TV Confidential. Stay with us. If you haven't been listening to TV Confidential, this is who you're missing. Linda Day George. Diane Cannon. Donna Mills. Richard Benjamin. Michael Bell. Joan Van Ark. Thank you so much, Joan. I, I really appreciate this. I hope we'll have a chance to chat again. Well, I hope so, too. And let me tell you, bravo to you. Kudos for doing your homework. That's all I got to say. Thank you. Hugs. That's TV Confidential. Every week on this station and every day online at televisionconfidential.com. You can now purchase t-shirts, mugs, caps, hoodies, wall clocks, and other gifts with the TV Confidential logo from the official TV Confidential merchandise shop. For more information, go to televisionconfidential.com forward slash merchandise or cafepress.com forward slash TV Confidential, cafepress.com forward slash TV Confidential. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty Group, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.